Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Before we get into my latest interview, I wanted to take just a quick moment to ask for your help. If you're a writer or a passionate reader and you find value in these podcast interviews with writers and authors, I would just ask that you share the podcast with two of your friends. Let them know about the many interviews available at the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thanks for your help and stay tuned for my interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Larry Brill, author of the new novel, The Printer and the Strumpet. Larry, welcome to the podcast. Jeff, thank you for having me. This is exciting. Great. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, The Printer and the Strumpet, how would you describe the novel? Well, it's a fun little romp that's set in the years leading up to the start of the American Revolution. And the reviews actually have been amazing across the board. They've been very gratifying, I think, um, because a lot of people just assume when they read historical fiction that our founding fathers and founding mothers had no sense of humor. And this is really all, it's really all about humor. Uh, it's really just a poke at today's media, trying to imagine, you know, what, the today's media would uh, look at the politics of the time and how the news media might cover the run up to the um, to the American Revolution. It's it's basically about uh, a guy who is a conservative publisher in Boston and a prostitute, and he just wants to survive all this mayhem, and she wants to start the revolution, and they wind up working together to. Oh, uncover government scandals and incompetence, basically trying to gen up support for the revolution by revealing things like fake news and alternative <laughs> facts that are flowing from both sides. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the printer and the strumpet? Oh, absolutely. Um, this is really the second book in what I think is going to be like a, a five book trilogy. Uh, it started with the patterer, um, which takes place. Our hero is actually in London at that point, And that's the first book in the series. And he's inspired to create what would be the equivalent of today's TV newscast by reporting the news. And, and it started with, I was reading a, um, I was reading a book about the beginning of American journalism and there was a little segment they talked about, but you really have to go back to England. And there were these guys called patterers back then who would get up on a street corner or something like that. And they would deliver the news in order to sell newspapers and books and pens and pencils. And then, of course, anybody who was selling lace and knives and other products would, would then gravitate to them and then try to sell their Wears to the audience that this person would would draw by talking about the news. And I thought, you know, I mean, I was working in TV news at the time. I was a news anchor at that time. And I thought, that's me 250, 300 years ago. <laughs> well, did what kind of research did you do for your novel, The Printer and the Strumpet? I do the, the research a little bit at a time, uh, mostly online. Uh, I find that I, I'm a slow writer. And so I be writing something and I go, oh, maybe I can have the character do this, but then I have to go 
look online and there are, I have a, a list of various places that, that have that, but try to make it the historical facts. I try to make them as accurate as possible. It's the story itself that's kind of goofy and, and weird. But I, I do a little bit of time. Every time I come up against something, I go in search of an answer. Well, I think you might be my first podcast guest. In fact, I would say you are my first podcast guest. All right, I'm, who, I'm number one. Who has not only entered, but you won the Bulward Lytton Fiction Contest. First, I wonder if someone, if someone listening isn't familiar with the contest, can you explain what it is? And second, what year did you win? And can you regale us with your entry? Oh, Lord, you really want that, huh? <laughs> uh, it's been, and this is a contest that has been going on for about 40 years now. And um, the whole idea, uh, Edward Bulwer Lytton is the guy that wrote the famous line, it was a dark and stormy night. And so they started this contest way back when, and they get thousands and thousands of entries from around the world every year. And the goal is to write intentionally, write the worst opening sentence to an imaginary novel. <laughs> and uh, so I was, um, it was in 1994 and I was going to bed at night and I knew the deadline was coming up and I, I had pretty much given up. I wasn't going to submit an entry that year. I had done one one year uh, prior to that. And I, I had an audible mention, but anyway, I wasn't going to do the, the contest that year. And I went to bed and apparently somewhere in the middle of the night, I got up and made some notes and then went back to bed and totally forgot about it. And when I was leaving for work the next day, I found this, this scrap of paper that had the sentence pretty much fleshed out <laughs> and, and ready to go. So, uh, and I was, you know, I was kind of surprised that it won, but I mean, it's bizarre enough that you think, well, yeah, probably deserves it. So, uh, so if you want to know what the sentence is, of course, I have to take a deep breath because it is a first and foremost, it's a run on sentence. <laughs> so anyway, but it goes like this. As the fading light of a dying day filtered through the window blinds, Roger stood over his victim with a smoking forty-five, surprised at the serenity that filled him after pumping six slugs into that bloodless tyrant that had mocked him day after day, and then he shuffled from his office with one last look back at the shattered computer terminal lying there like a silicon armadillo left to rot on the information highway. <laughs> Bada bing. That's wonderful. So, so what was your writing journey that led you to writing and publish, getting your first novel published? Well, um, I always wanted to be a journalist. I mean, I can, I can think back to when I was a kid and I took a piece of binder paper and I wrote some, some little story about whatever it was my, my uh, family was doing. And I sold it to my grandpa for 25 cents. And that was where I started as a journalist. And, um, but I always tinkered with fiction, you know, throughout all that time. I did the typical things. I was editor of the high school paper. I went to journalism school, got my degree. Um, I had, I, I, 
distinctly remember my advisor sitting me down one day and he hands me a piece of paper with two numbers on it. And one was the starting salary for a newspaper reporter and the other was a starting salary for a TV news reporter. And I said, well, for 50 bucks a month more, I'm going to get into TV. (laughs) So I did that. Um, But, you know, when I was like 12 or 13, um, I wrote the majority of my first novel. And it was a total ripoff of the Hardy Boys. I mean, it, you, you might as well just change out the names, you know, <laughs> and the story was a little different, but that was, re- and I just, um, I remember in high school, a lot of times if I had a, I don't know, a social studies assignment or something like that, I would, I'd write fiction and try to work that into how it might, you know, satisfy the teacher for whatever assignment we were doing. And I just kept doing that through the years. And then after working in TV news in Oregon, California, Colorado, I finally wound up at a TV station here in Texas, in Austin, where there is just this absolutely awesome writing community and so much support. And that's when I got serious about writing funny stuff. And so what was the writing process for you for writing The Printer and the Strumpet? Do you outline your novels or do you just dive in and kind of follow the narrative? No, I'm definitely a pantser. I think most people are familiar now with the whole pantser or plotter mm-hmm. um, concept. But I'm a, I'm a pantser. I do know, I always know the start of the novel right down to the opening sentence, which I guess that's why the Bull Litton thing was something that I did. But, um, you know, I know exactly how it's going to start. I have a really strong idea how it's going to end. And I have two or three plot points that I want to try and hit throughout the course of the story. But then I step back and I let the characters decide how they're going to get from point A to point B to point C to the end of the book. And, and given your, uh, Given your writing success thus far, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Well, you know, you, you hear published authors always tell people to read a lot, and that is absolutely true. I mean, it's really, really necessary. But for me, I think the number one thing that writers, new writers in particular, need to do that nobody really pushes hard enough is write. Just put your back in, put sit down in the chair and write and do it as often as you can. And and don't worry about if it's good or bad. Just write because that's that's why God created rewrites is you get it down on paper or on the computer and you go back and you spruce it up and you fix this. For me, the rewriting process really is where the story comes alive. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And I love that. Um, so, yeah, just just do it. Another thing that that I do um, that helps me is I have a, a, a little uh, calendar book that I keep on my desk. And it's right next to my keyboard. And it sits there and it laughs at me and it mocks me and it makes fun of me. And it really makes me feel guilty. If I don't add a few words, at least a hundred words or 50, 50 words, whatever, if I don't do it today and then mark it on my calendar, it doesn't count. So having the calendar there as a reminder, uh, I think also works. But again, the bottom line is just do the work. You're, you're going to enjoy it. So sure. you might as, well, might as well do it as often as you can. Well, speaking of reading, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, you know, with the whole Britney Spears kerfuffle going on right now, I went back and I read a book from Carl Hyacin, and it's called Star Island. And it is um, very much, uh, you know, about uh, this this young you know, pop star girl who is just having all kinds of issues and the things that her parents and the other characters do to kind of keep her on track. And she keeps escaping and getting into more trouble. And then, you know, they, they grab her and they try to hide it all from the media. <laughs> and it's just, it's just this big circus trying to, to keep her in line. And, um, Carl Heisen is one of my favorite authors. He is just like totally hip and hilarious. And so that's why uh, that story is something that I, I just, I just finished it again, you know, not too long ago. And I thought he so seamlessly, he brings in these really quirky characters and makes you just, just grabs you and pulls you into the story. The kind of thing I would love to do. Well, you, you live in Austin, Texas. I'm curious, are there any local writers that, that we should um, hear about that we should pay attention to? Uh, depending upon which genre you're interested in, we got tons of them here. Um, some of our, some of our best known are like, um, uh, Sarah Bird is mm -hmm. really well known. Uh, one, one of my favorites that's not known quite as well as Scott Semigran. And, uh, he won an award from the independent book publishers association last year. Uh, he's also a, a you know, a friend of mine, uh, Ben Rader is, oh, if you like, if you like humorous, amusing stories, Ben Rader, he, he was originally traditionally published. He's one of those people that, you know, he turned out like a dozen books with, um, 
oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on 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 which the pub, which publisher mm-hmm. it was, but it was one of the major houses. Right. And then and then he said, you know, I don't need to give them some of my money. So he went and started in, uh, doing his independent publishing. He's but he already had built up the following by then. Sure. But his his stuff. There are a, a number of serious um, books, if you will, that he's done, but the majority of his stuff is very amusing, uh, lighthearted look. Uh, the Blanco County Murder Mysteries uh, is a whole series of about like 12 or 14 books now, uh, but the characters are very likable and they always keep you on your toes. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Well, it's easy. It's LarryBrill.com. And uh, I also have, I set up a a publishing company to help out a couple of other writers around here. So uh, there's also Black Tide Books. Those, Those two sites have my books and Black Tide Books has like two other, three other authors now. Uh, that we've helped publish. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Larry Brill, author of the new novel, The Printer and the Strumpet. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Larry, thanks for doing this interview. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for doing this and, and just getting the word out there about authors. That's wonderful. Great. The Printer and the Strumpet by Larry Brill. Chapter 1. A Reckless Goat Boston, 1773 It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was an age of reason when... When... What? Well, when reasonable men should be reasonable, I suppose. Ah, flog the frog, I cursed. I looked at the words I'd written and felt disgusted. I scratched them through with the ink-armed tip of my quill, cursing the gods above from A to Z, Apollo to Zeus, and every minor deity in between, giving no quarter for whether they represented Team Christian or Team Heathen. Best of times? Worst of times? Rubbish. No self-respecting author would use words so trite to begin an important piece of literature. Yet I was having a dickens of a time coming up with anything better. And yet they did seem to capture the spirit of our current affairs. Inside Boston's reckless goat tavern, I sat at my usual table next to the massive oak pillar that was as solid as a century at one edge of the bar. The crowd was sizable for a Tuesday, and the tavern at the foot of Long Wharf had a raucous spirit, filled with clusters of sweaty longshoremen, tradesmen, and red-coated soldiers from one of His Majesty's regiments on a quick leave from their garrisons on the commons. The crowd mostly ignored a pair of performers in feathered caps, wandering through the room making music with a fiddle and mandolin, which added a pleasant harmony to the hum of conversation. As they passed my table, I raised my glass, winked at the fiddler, and tipped him with a shilling I slipped into his waistcoat pocket. I dipped the tip of my quill into the ink pot, holding it in a grip that was both confident and gentle, whilst I waited for my muse. And waited more. With my left hand, I lifted a glass of modest Portuguese Madeira to my lips, relaxed in the smoky glow of light from a lantern on a peg above my head. I was labouring to author a pamphlet addressing the political fever that had gripped the town. Actually, I had been struggling to write the damned thing for several weeks, and had gone to the reckless goat that night hoping the liveliness of a public inn and a bottle of wine might provide inspiration to finish the manuscript. Finding the perfect opening sentence befuddled me the most. 
The title was fine. Well, more than fine, truly. It was rather brilliant, in my humble opinion. I had crafted it in my finest hand across the top of the page, dressing the letters with a flourish, and now I stroked it with a tender finger as one might tickle the fancy spot of a good woman. Treason or reason? A guide to navigating a divided land. Nice, I thought. I dreamed the pamphlet could have some measure of influence on public opinion, a work that might bridge the chasm, tearing Boston apart, so badly needed at that moment in time. It was as if my adopted town had split into two cities, loyalists to the King of England on one end and aggrieved liberal colonists on the other. No one had yet come out in print to take the middle ground and promote peace, so I could see no one better suited than myself to publish a work encouraging pacifists to rise up and smack the snot out of both. You see, I am a journalist, a wordsmith with a printing press at my disposal, and a modest following for the newspaper I published, the New England News Journal. I relied on the brawn of my back to work the press, and the strength of my words to inform the public and frequently shape opinions. I took another sip of wine. A large sip, because I needed to quench the thirst for two, the muse, and myself. I reloaded my weapon, I put that quill to paper, and began again. Now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their... their... what? Their fellow... fellows. That more rubbish, damn! I crossed that out too. The mother-flogging muse was playing me for a fool. Since it was Tuesday, I had purchased copies of that morning's editions of the Boston Gazette and the weekly newsletter, and spread them open on the tabletop, along with three copies of my own. I placed the news journal prominently on the edge of the table, with the masthead beckoning attention to anyone who might pass by. By me, it called to the curious, like a strumpet at Flag Alley or any other bordello in Boston. Let me entertain you for a mere two pence halfpenny. I looked again at my feeble attempt to start my pamphlet. I envisioned, after some judicious editing, it would take six small pages, eight at most. We must not be too wordy. Sadly, politics were not really my cup of tea. No, I didn't do politics well. Give me blood and lust, scandal and misfortune, criminal and marital misdeeds of public figures intertwined in gossip birth coitus. It sells newspapers. And I could write blood and lust like nobody's business. In fact, I had a saying about those kinds of stories that I would prefer to feature front and centred in the news journal. If it bleeds, it leads. That's me. The bark of my name exploded in my ear like a musket shot at close range. The hearty slap on the back that followed rocked me as if its ball had hit its mark. Leeds Merriweather, you pitiful excrement-producing son of a snake in the pulp. Jacob Addison hollered. He was a solid man, round in shape with beady eyes and a nose that was only slightly less sharp than his wit. Mr. Addison, I said. I laid down my quill and hit him with my most withering stare. If you were not the offspring of a skirt-dropping Tory lover, I would take exception to that remark. As it is, I cannot hold your mother's rogue breeding habits against you. Jacob Addison was my most cherished friend and confidant. I loved him more than my own brothers, though one of those played a significant role in my being banished from the family estate in England when I was a mere teenager, so I will admit my standards were justifiably low by the time I escaped to America seven years ago.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.